Hey, Wolfpack Nation, it's Scott Wood here with Scott Wood's One Man Wolfpack. I have a very special guest today, the 1983 national champion, one of the greatest shooters of all time, two-time academic All-American, uh, and now broadcaster, one of the best in the business. So I'd like to welcome Terry Gannon. Thanks for coming on today. Man, if you called uh, a shooter by you, that's <laughs> I, I take that to heart, man. That's all right. So I'll, I'll take that and I'll run with that. Great to be with you, man. I've done my research. I, I know you can shoot, shoot the leather <laughs> off the ball. So I've, I've done a little research. So uh, one of the fun things about doing these podcasts now is, you know, it's kind of connected me with a lot of the Wolfpack alum. You know, it's got me in touch with a lot of people that, you know, necessarily haven't talked with a lot. And it also gives me an opportunity to kind of do my research uh, to find out some things. So th there's a few things we had in common that's, that's kind of uh, kind of made me giggle a little bit. So you grew up in, in Illinois in Joliet, correct? Correct. Yeah. So I'm an, Indiana. I'm, I'm an Indiana guy. And then you were also coached by your, your dad as well. He was, he was a coach all the way for 30 some years and then he got ill. And so he didn't coach me in high school. Mm -hmm. He stepped away, but then he went to a different high school and coached again. So it was like, it was almost like, Oh, so you didn't want to coach me. Huh? I got you. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 growing up, I was the son of a coach and we lived it, you know? Um, yeah. so yeah. So what was that like? You, obviously you had a, a kind of a coach in the house and it was very similar to me. My, my dad didn't want to coach me in high school. So he kind of, he, he took the, the freshman program. So I didn't have to kind of be involved with them, but right. what was it like being raised by a basketball minded person? Oh, I, I mean, I've got pictures from the time I was, you know, before a year old and I'm mm -hmm. in a Joliet Catholic Hilltopper uniform. Um, so it, it, I'll tell you what was great. My, some of my greatest memories were when I was in grade school, whether it be second grade, third grade, whatever. It's when my dad started to have one of his players pick me up from school every day. So my school day would end. I'd get picked up by one of his players, go right down to the gym suit up for practice and I would be on the side with a ball and they would practice and I'd be shooting on the side the whole time. Um, and then the games where I was in the locker room before the game, halftime, I sat on the bench. I had a little medicine cabinet there. I sat on the medicine chest, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are pictures that I still have of that uh, games. And then after the games, he would always have the players over to our house down in our basement, which was not a very nice basement. I don't know why they wanted to do that, but, and, and he let them have a party, a get together, you know, after every game. So he was really close. He was a player's coach and, yeah. and I grew up that way. So eventually to play for Jim Valvano, the two things, they, they were exactly alike. I mean, they were, yeah. they were so alike. Um, and it was, uh, it was cool. We lived it, you know, I, I was yep. in the backyard shooting five hours a day and Joliet, Illinois in the, the winter wasn't actually very nice. And so you keep one basketball by the heater, yep. another one would last about 15 minutes. You'd go get the other one and he so it would bounce, you know, yep. you, hey, you knew that, that's the one thing about being from up North in Indiana, Illinois, you, you found a way to make it work. You found a way to get your shots in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, in the summer, you're down. OK, you got the playground. We'd have games down there and I'd spend all day down there. But in the winter, you know, and nobody's down there and, and you're out in your backyard and, and yeah. you're shooting all by yourself. You got a little back then transistor radio they have on the hood of the car and you're shooting hoops all night. So yeah. it's good memories. Yeah. Great time. So talk about kind of your recruiting process. What, what was that like going from, you know, 
obviously your high school to the college. What, what was your recruiting process like? And was it for sure like I'm definitely going to NC State? It was once Jim Valvano spent 30 minutes in my house on the home visit. Then it was done. In fact, he walked out. And my dad said, you're going there. That's where you're going. Uh, prior to that, I was not a, uh, you know, a six footer who was a shooter, point guard who was a shooter in high school. I, I, I went to all the like blue chip camps and my name was on the radar, but I wasn't that blue chip early guy. So it was gradual. So my junior year, they were the, you know, mid-level college, the central Michigans, the Loyola Chicago's. Once I got to my senior year is when the big 10 really came in and started recruiting. And then he, NC state, actually the way Jim Valvano even heard about me was through Sammy Esposito, who was the baseball coach yep. at NC state. And um, what a great guy. So many stories about Espo, but he also played for the white Sox. Mm -hmm. including the 1959 go-go Sox who went to the world series big chicago guy and he would read the newspapers every day and he was reading about this guy who was a shooter and a baseball player as well so he would bug v all the time hey you need a shooter let's go two for one on this we'll get a baseball player and a basketball player <laughs> and and really once v came to my house um he you know had his tie undone within five minutes his shoes off feet up on the coffee table and he and my dad just took a liking to each other and spent most of the time talking to each other and <laughs> and that was it also as great as the big 10 was and is and whatever you can argue who especially at that time the acc yeah. was it man it was the yeah. golden age of college basketball in the acc people stuck around for three four years um, that was, it was pretty special. And I, I knew right away, I wanted to go down to, to play in, in Raleigh. Yeah, that was, that was kind of my same philosophy. And it's funny, you said that, you know, it took 30 minutes for Jimmy V to, to make you commitments. So I had, I had a guy that, you know, was with you as well, Sidney Lowe, who I coach Lowe to me, it, it took 30 minutes of my mom's lasagna for me to commit while he was there. So <laughs> it's, it's funny how that worked out. So he must've picked up a few pointers from, from coach V. Yeah. Well, Sid was a coach back when he was playing. I mean, he was born to be a coach, you know, he was, he was our coach on the, on the floor and in the locker room. He was, he was something. Yeah, for sure. Did I, you, I by the way, did you, did you enjoy the recruiting process? Cause I didn't, I thought it was a pain. Yeah. So looking back on it, I wish I would have, I wish I would have tried to enjoy it more. Um, I committed really early. I committed like my junior year, my high school teammate, Julius Mays, uh, ended up going, he was a year older than me, ended up going to state. And obviously Monty Tao is from Converse, Indiana, which is right. literally 10 minutes right. from my hometown. So I had a connection with him very early. I mean, I was only a three-star recruit. I wasn't anything crazy, but I just, they gave me that feel, um, you know, that I wanted. I wanted to be at, and it's very similar to, to Illinois. To me, you know, Indiana is a huge, huge basketball state. I wanted oh, yeah. to have that feel from going, I had a 7,500 gym and we would put, you know, 7,000 people in the gym. Yeah. And I wanted to have that same feeling going to a big basketball program where I felt like basketball was first. And, and it ended up working out, obviously, and I'm hundred percent glad I did it. But looking back on it, I do wish I would have maybe kind of enjoyed the moment a little bit more, but I do know a lot of people that have said, you know, it just starts to get frustrating at a, after a while. Cause there's a lot of like, uh, 
misled promises and things like sure. that. And I think, I think coach Tao always said it best for me. And it's hard for players to see this. You, you commit to a school. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, nowadays they commit to the coach. And when I had only had coach low right. for two years, it made me really realize I'm really glad I chose NC state because obviously you have yeah. the coaching staff, but I'm really glad I chose NC state. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. Uh, the, the, but the absolute, like people say, oh, it's, it's got to be so great. You know, you, you're so wanted and they're coming in telling you how great they are. It was, it was I hated it. I was yeah. in pain. Like, you know, you're in high school and and you're right. I mean, you get everything out of the high school experience and Indiana basketball, high school basketball. I mean, if for anybody who wants to just go watch an unbelievable, you love hoops, <laughs> may, may, do yourself a favor and go to Indiana and watch high school basketball and Illinois is right there. Not quite the same, but it's right there. Uh, same feel. Um, and, and, you know, you, you'd be in your living room talking to some coach and they'd be selling you on how great yeah. their history program is. All you want to do is go down the street. Your friends were having a party, right? Yeah. And, and you're in high school and I, I didn't enjoy the process. And, and you're right. You, you try to filter through who's telling you the truth and who's not. <laughs> and just doing the sales job. Um, I was I was glad to have that over. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's easy to look back on it and know you made a great decision, that's for sure. So yeah. what were your expectations? You know, obviously you're coming into to college. I, I talk about, you know, it's always a year of growth going from your senior year of high school to, to a big program. And now you're a freshman, sophomore, and you're still kind of young. What was your expe expectations coming into NC State? First of all, I, I just wanted to be a part. I, I was so thrilled to be a part of a program with the history of NC State. And, and you know, it wasn't that long before that, that it was the program of David Thompson and Mountie Town and Burleson yeah. and, Stott and, and national championship, the one over uh, along the way, Bill Walton and UCLA. It's a huge deal to me. Mm -hmm. And so I, want, I wanted to be a part of that and contribute. I didn't have expectations. I want to get 20 minutes a game as a freshman or 10 minutes a game and be able to playing time. I didn't even think about that, to be honest with you. I, I wanted to be a significant, significant contributor at a place like NC state. And my, my freshman year, I was able to, I got playing time and everything else. Uh, and, and just loved the experience. And I went home over the summer and that's when going into my sophomore year, they announced that conferences could use the three-point shot if they wanted to and the, and the 30-second shot clock at the time. Um, and the ACC said, we're going to do that. So I, me and my dad and I immediately went out in my backyard and drew the arc, you know, measured it off, yep. drew the arc. And just, I, I don't think all summer I took a shot inside that arc. And, and <laughs> the next year, my sophomore year, I'm not sure I took many shots inside that arc. And, and um the, my sophomore year was the year of the national championship and it grew. If you remember, we, I mean, we were struggling. Derek Wittenberg got hurt. Yeah. We darn near missed the NCAA tournament, but in hindsight, everything's 2020 and we don't win a national championship unless Witt gets hurt. Other guys develop playing time for me, for Ernie Myers. And so by the end of that year, we went in a much better team to the ACC tournament, the NCAA tournament. Um, it's a long answer to your question, but that obviously was the impetus then for what now I look back on and say, oh my God, it was an experience 
so far beyond what I expected or mm -hmm. hoped for uh, or had any right to think was possible going yeah. in to college. Yeah. And, I, and honestly, that's, it makes a hundred percent sense why you guys won a national championship because now like I, I think about, you know, kind of, I don't want to say my generation cause it makes us look really bad, but I feel like my generation, they go in with the expectations of, I want to score, you know, 20 points or I want to play, you know, 35 minutes. And, you know, obviously it's easier yeah. for me to kind of look at it now and say, you got to have the, you know, guys that come in and say, you know, I'm going to be the best three point shooter. I'm going to be the best defender, the best rebounder, the best passer to really make a team go. And that's kind of, you know, I talked with uh, Ernie came on the podcast. I had uh -huh. was on the podcast. And that's the one thing that you've noticed that everybody said is I had a role for this team and I played it to the best I could. And it results in winning. And you know what, it, you're right. And I'm not sure it is generational. It may be, but, um, you know, so looking back, I'm not sure everybody thought that way. I'm sure there were plenty who didn't, um, but we did with that team. It, it just, and maybe it was Jim Valvano. Maybe it was V, mm -hmm. you, it, you know, that, that brought that together and, and got us to buy in because yeah. that's what it was that that team more than any other team I've ever played on or been part of, just bought into their roles and accepted their roles. And, and if you can get a team to do that, uh, that has some talent. And, and the other thing with that team is we had three senior leaders. We had Sidney Lowe, Derek Wittenberg, Thurl Bailey, you know, the head, heart, and soul. They each played different roles, but they all were leaders. Like you'd come to practice. There were some days when V wouldn't show up until 20 minutes into practice. It's okay. <laughs> That the, the seniors took over and the assistant yeah. and, and you did everything Sid and Witt and Thurl said you were going to do. And if you didn't, you were in trouble. You just you didn't even think twice about saying, you know, no, I don't want to do this or that. You bought in and then and then B came in, you worked on the other team and, and strategy, you know. Yeah. Um it was it was everybody bought in, everybody played a role, and and I don't remember anybody complaining. Yeah. And that's, and that's the one thing that I've learned is to, to be a successful team. I remember my, my sweet 16 team, I had, you know, role players in a CJ Williams, a Alex yeah. Johnson that may not get the recognition that they deserve, but the reason we went to a sweet 16 and had a last second shot to go play Carolina and an elite eight is because of those guys. And uh, that definitely, by the way, I was watching and living and dying with every second of that. So that was a fun experience, man. That was a great run. That was a yeah, really cool I, I, To this day, I remember, I, like, I had Lorenzo Brown on the uh, the other day, and we were talking before before we actually put it out. And we were just like, dude, we, I wish we could. We, we ran that little hammer play to throw the pass on the baseline, <laughs> and it, it was just a little bit high, and I stepped on the line, and everybody asked me, they're like, if you didn't step out, would you make it? And I was like, yes, I was going to absolutely. make it. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Darn right. Don't you have those regrets, though? That's the only thing. You can't, I mean, but you still do as a player. Yeah. There are certain losses. There are certain misses that still haunt me to this day. It makes no sense, but they do. They never leave you. That's what, that's what I tell everybody. I'm, I'm a real stickler on my losses. I can remember everything I did wrong, but it, you start to ask me like, you know, how many career threes did you have? And I'm like, I really don't know the exact right. answer. If you ask me how many I missed, I'm, I'm going to have the answer. <laughs> Believe me, I, I missed a shot against Notre Dame, which is the last game we lost in 1983 that would have won it at the buzzer. And I, I still am so angry about that. I do, and it was right, you know, as, as a shooter. Felt great. It's in. I'm ready to raise my arm and celebrate. And it was, 
out and it was right online you know and yep. doesn't go in for whatever reason <laughs> it still haunts me we'll get back to the show in a minute but first let me tell you about our partners over at DraftKings Sportsbook. With March Madness beating down our door, DraftKings is the best way for you to get a little action in on the game. If you have not downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app yet, what are you waiting for? It's the safest, it's the most secure, it's reliable, and it allows you to safely deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. And this week, they are offering my listeners a pretty sweet deal. If you sign up now, with promo code FIELD68, you could turn $1 into $100. If one of the main event fighters in UFC 259 this weekend lands a single punch, that's it. One punch to turn $1 into $100. And don't worry, if MMA isn't your thing, DraftKings Sportsbook offers odds and promos on basketball, hockey, or whatever sport you are watching. But since they're basically giving away $100, you might as well sign up now, watch a little UFC, and remember to use code FIELD68. That's FIELD68. Must be 21 years or older. Offer available for a limited time only. Eligibility restrictions apply. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll, we'll move to the, to the national title. We've obviously touched on it a little bit. When you guys won that game, how did that change your life? Oh, God, there's so many ways. I mean, it changed everything. Um, intangibly, intangibly. I, I actually knew in the moment, as soon as it was done, I remember saying the guy, to the guys on the bus going back to the hotel, you guys understand, this is going to have legs. This is going to be remembered. We are the 69 Mets. We are the 1980 Olympic hockey team. And they were like, shut the hell up. And, they, you know, <laughs> we don't want to hear that right now. I'm like, no, no, no. People are going to remember this. Um, I, I didn't know that it would quite have the impact. And I think the 30 for 30 certainly added yeah. to that. But every day when I travel now, whether it's in an airport, um, whether it's at a golf tournament, literally every day, Someone comes up to me and says, hey, Terry Gannon, that 30 for 30, Survive in Advance was great, man. It was my favorite 30 for 30. Or, you know, or I remember what I was doing the night of the national championship. Let me tell you, I was in a bar down the street and my buddies, were, you know, it, it's, it's incredible. Tangibly for me, um, it, it was an experience that then allowed me to take chances in my career and have the belief that V instilled the, the idea of why not? Yeah. Why not? Somebody's got to do it. Um, I'm a broadcaster. I never envisioned covering figure skating. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the ABC came to me and said, hey, because ABC kind of signed me. I started as a ba college basketball analyst in the mm -hmm. ACC and then branched out. I had to make a living signed the deal with ABC back in the day in the, the early 1990s. And they didn't know what they were going to do with me. They just knew they liked me, right? And so they call up and say, hey, we need to go to Tokyo next week and, <laughs> and, and call figure skating. I was like, uh, okay, I, I know who Peggy Fleming is. Uh, it's about, and, and it was that brief moment where you either go, guys, I, I, I don't think I could do this. I, I, or you go, why not? Somebody's yeah. got to do it. 
the way I started in college football, which I then called for 20 some years on ABC, um, was a Monday afternoon and, and they called me up and said, hey, we, why don't you do play-by-play -play Saturday? It was, it was down at Georgia Tech. It was Georgia Tech against Carolina on ABC. I said, football, play-by-play -play, this Saturday? Yeah, yeah. Again, that brief moment where you go, you guys are nuts. You know how wrong <laughs> this could go? Or yeah, why not? Somebody's got to yeah. do it. And it really was that team, that coach, that night that set that in motion for me and made all the difference. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So give me your best Jimmy V story. <laughs> so that's the hard question, right? The, the, it's, you got to pick one. Uh, trust me, I, I got, mean, hey, listen, um, I got a couple, I got another page here and I'm, I'm telling you, I got, I got a few. This, this may be on the easier side of the questions, but I'm, I'm interested. What's the best Jimmy V story? Dude, I, I don't know if it, it, I could come up with the best. There are so many. He was, he was larger than, than life. I mean, he was that, that person who went a mile a minute every minute he was awake, you know, every pregame pep talk. He was like that in the coaches, office just talking I mean he held court I was a grad assistant along with wit mm -hmm. my job basically was as soon as the buzzer went off was to go get some fried chicken some wine and some cigars for the the post game hang in the coach's office which you know he'd have a cigar in one hand a wine in the other and he would hold court until two or three in the morning and you weren't allowed <laughs> to leave until he was ready to leave and it was story after story um, now he, you know, even when I w was deciding what to do, it all, you know, this played overseas. Um, it all kind of came at once for me. I didn't want to, I knew I wanted to coach. My dad was a coach. As we say, I was a grad assistant. This is what I was going to do. And Jefferson pilot came to me and said, Hey, we've interviewed you a lot. You want to take a shot at TV at the same time. I had gone to a camp the year prior and eventually got an offer to go play overseas in Europe. Mm -hmm. And so I said, V, I, I got to come talk about my future, you know, and, and you got to know V. I mean, he's like, okay, okay, come on up tomorrow. Come see me tomorrow. So I go up to his office the next day. He's on the phone. And five minutes, 10 minutes, I'm just sitting there, right? And finally, he's like, hey, hang on, Terry, what do you want? <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I'm here to talk about my life, to figure out my life. You know, I, I thought you're going to help me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, hold on one second. All right, Tarek, go. I'm like, uh, um, okay, well, uh, I got this offer to go play in Europe, you know, and he goes, stop, 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 stop. Tarek, you're short, you're slow, you can't jump. Who are you going to be, Walt Frazier? Move on with your life. It's like, oh, okay, all right. Um, well, I, I got a chance to go into TV. He goes, yeah, take it. He said, if it doesn't work out, you got a job. I'll always hire you here. Why don't you take a shot? I'm like, oh, so that's that's pretty much it. He's like, yeah, pretty much. All right. So where were we? He's back on the phone. Like in 30 seconds, right? He's got my life figured out. And that's how I went into TV. And, and yeah. he was he was basically like, no, boom, 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 boom. And there you go. But he was, <laughs> man, he was he was he was one of us. You know, we would go hang down at his house and play at the time pool and pinball there weren't the games yeah, that we have now see you the know. best part is you you answered my next question it's literally what made you go into broadcasting <laughs> see? that was it i mean that really was it and, and 
once I went into broadcasting, look, here's the thing. As a player, you know this. When you play that final game, there's a huge void in your life because you've been a part of a team since you can remember. And you've played this sport and you've gone to bed every night with thoughts of your jump shot in your head. You know, it never leaves you and you've lived this. And all of a sudden it's gone. So I needed something that would replace that team. Yeah. And coaching obviously would have been that. Uh, but TV, I didn't realize it. That also replaced that team. You are a part of a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only are you with your cohort on the air, but you've got people in the truck, a producer, a director, graphics, tape operators, camera operators, everybody else. It is a huge team effort. And you go week to week around the country and the world covering sports Mm-hmm. And you're a part of a team and everything's got to go right at the right time. It's a symphony that's got to come together. Everybody plays a role. And I didn't realize TV would do that. Uh, once I got in it, that was a big attraction to me. That's that's really more than anything what I loved about going into TV. Yeah, for sure. So let's what's your favorite broadcasting moment? <laughs> um, I'll tell you my favorite event that I've done that I had no idea. And it's shocking that this is my favorite. The Tour de France is the most <laughs> incredible sporting event in the world. It is, it is unbelievable. It's like a Super Bowl that moves from place to place every day. And when you cover it, and I called it three times for ABC back in the 90s, you literally like you think of a Super Bowl and the, and the huge, all the TV trucks, the compound and how you, well, the Tour de France does that every day in a start line and a yep. finish line. And they move every day. Go, in a, you go to the mountains, you go to the coast, you know, you, you're in the, um, the middle of France, in the middle of nowhere in these small villages or big cities yeah. or whatever. And it's a part of the fabric in France. And I remember there, the, the last year that I did it was the year before Lance Armstrong won his first tour. Mm-hmm. And he was my broadcast partner <laughs> on ABC. And it was when he was coming back from cancer. And, you know, and nobody knew whether he could make a comeback or not. And we were standing there on the Champs-Élysées the last day as the Peloton was ready to come down. And, and we do our on-camera as they pass us, you know. And I remember saying to Lance, Hey man, I, I don't want to work with you next year. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I, I want to call the act. I want you out there riding. You know, you need to be back here. And he goes, yeah, I don't think that'll ever happen. I'm, I'm just physically, I can't do this. You know, it's too tough, this tour. And the next year was the first year that he won it. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget that. And you can say what you will about, you know, what, what he became and what, the, okay. Um, but that day is, is a day that I'll, uh, I'll always remember. All right. So what's the most difficult event you've ever had to do? Um, I've had to take on new sports that I didn't yep. expect. I think maybe rowing in the Olympics in London might fit that bill. <laughs> I mean, eventually I enjoyed the hell out of it. But, you know, you start. And you have, you know, rowing. I, I, I haven't followed rowing. I do, you yeah. know, what, what are the techniques? What do you do? Yes, 
you go fast and you go high. And, um, and so all the semantics of how you call it, the terminology, the first thing you want to do when you take on a new sport, one that you haven't, I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity because back in the day they had wide world of sports and I worked on that and, and, you know, you would go, I I've done everything from ski flying in Slovenia to mountain biking in Vail, um, you know, crazy things that you would never envision. And you've got to learn the terminology. You say one thing wrong and all your credibility is gone. Uh, so I think, I think rowing in London might've been the toughest to, to get up to speed because you had canoe kayaking that you had to call too. Yeah. I'll tell you another challenge. Another challenge was in Sochi, I did figure skating with Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski. But then in those off days, the same rinks, they were used for uh, short tread speed skating, which I called yeah. with Apollo Ono. And so short track, it's like, boom, 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 it's over. <laughs> and, and or or if it's boom, 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 maybe it's eight laps. But in the final lap, three of the guys crash. And then the guy who's in last all of a sudden wins the gold medal. So you're, <laughs> like it's you, you better be on because you don't get a second chance. And then the next race starts like 20 seconds later. Uh, and it's one race to another to another. And um, it, it's but it's invigorating. I mean, it, it, you, you get a rush when that race starts because. You've got 15, 20 seconds to call it right, and then you're done, or else you know you screwed yeah. it up. There's also a lot of research that has to go in. Uh, that's the that's the one thing. Like I wouldn't, I'm nowhere near entering any type of broadcasting, but you also got to do a little research, like just for having you come on the show. You know, you got to do a little bit of background checking, make yeah. sure you know you got your your T's and your I's dotted, yada yada yada. So that's one of the things too. I, I'm sure, like I, I couldn't imagine doing figure skating and I don't know anything about it. So I got to do a little bit of research and, you know, get my terminology correct. You know, people that used to be involved in the sport, you know, the famous people. So there's a lot of things that go behind it as well that, you know, a lot of people don't really realize, especially coming from a bat basketball and baseball background. Oh yeah. I, I know it, you're, you're spot on with that. Um, people don't realize it. That's okay. Um, but they, they like, all right, this week I went from last week, I had the PGA tour the last three weeks PGA tour and it was at Riviera uh, here in LA. Mm -hmm. So every week I put together a sheet of information, which I pull from all different places and I get it on one sheet, everything from the history of the event to recent stats, whatever it is. Um, and then you hope to use maybe 10 to 15% of that. <laughs> if you use more than that, it's because you're trying to fill time, right? Yeah. You, you don't really want to use, but you, but you have that. And the act of putting it down in a sheet in a computer and printing that out puts it up here. This week, I'm doing gymnastics in Indianapolis. Okay. It is the first gymnastics event in a year because of COVID. The last one we did was in Milwaukee, which was one of the big pre-Olympic events for what was supposed to be Tokyo 2020, that gets shut down. They haven't been able to compete for a year, which means we haven't been able to broadcast for a year. So trust me, this week, I am spending every day going over bios of people who I'm going to call this week. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a number of hours every day to get ready yep. for what will be a couple of two-hour shows over the weekend. Yeah. All right. So 
obviously, you know, you've done a lot of things. I've, I've, I've heard the Indianapolis 500, horse racing. You've done Tour de France. You, you, you just mentioned gymnastics, figure skating, golf. What is one that you would like to do that you haven't done? Well, it's kind of obvious, but I mean, obviously, I've, I've spent a long time calling college basketball, but I would love to sit there on Monday night and call the national championship game. Yeah, that would be awesome. You know, the Final Four and, and the national championship game would be something I'd love to do. I, I don't know that it'll ever happen just because of who I work for and the other network has it. And, you know, <laughs> uh, but that, that would be a dream of mine to someday call that. Um, yeah, I, here's the thing. I never mapped out my future mm -hmm. and some people will say, well, that's a big mistake. You know, you got to have gold. You have to set gold. Yeah. I'll buy that. Okay. For me, it was just always dreams, not yeah. goals that followed. I, once I got into TV, I wanted to be the best broadcaster I could be and, and do the highest level broadcasts mm -hmm. that I could do. And I was open to avenues that have come my way. And I still am. There are still things. I mean, gymnastics, I just got into two years ago, you know. Um, and I always wanted to go, okay, I'm not going to say, here's where I want to be five years from now. Because it will cut off the other avenues and the other opportunities, yeah. which I would have accepted if I hadn't shut that off. So I've always been open to whatever came my way and been willing to at least take a good long look at, should I accept this? Should I go down this road? Okay. Why not? Again, why not? It's, I mean, brand new sport. Let's see where it takes me. And it's been good. That's good. So I got, I, this is where I feel like we're going to get into some hard ones. These are, these are kind <laughs> of some, just have fun with them questions that, you know, Hopefully it doesn't get out to some certain people, uh, but th th these are some fun ones. You're going to get so. me in trouble now. I, I might. I might. So hopefully right. you don't take the easy way out. A lot of people have taken the easy way out. On, on This is like my fun section. So a lot of people. I might. I might. <laughs> so we'll, we'll find out. So, all right. You, who's more fun? The golf side with Nick Fado, or would you rather do a figure skating with Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir? You got to pick one side. I can't. That's like choosing who's more fun, my son or my daughter. Who do, I can't. I can't. That's it. You're going to think it's the easy way out. But he, again, it goes back to I love the fact that one week I can sit next to Faldo with six major championships. And the next week I'm sitting next to Johnny and Tara, you know, calling figure skating. That's the whole point. I get that is the whole point of my career. What, the, what has been so much fun is bouncing back and forth. I, I, I can't answer. Well, I can tell you, I'm a, I'm a golf guy. And as much as I love to hear you do the golf channel and all that stuff, I don't know a thing about figure skating, but just listening to, to Terry Lipinski and Johnny Weir talk with you <laughs> is absolutely comical at times. I, I, so if I had to pick, well, I'd he, rather you be on figure skating. He's the, uh, that, I'll, I'll take that, man. I, I will <laughs> take that. He's the only one that gets away with calling me Terrence, other than my grandmother who has passed on. She used to call me Terrence, but it, Johnny Weir. So, and and then I call him John, and he's like, "I'm not a John. I'm a Johnny. You know, I'm a Johnny, not a John." I'm like, "Nope, you're John. If you call me Terrence, you're John." All right, all right. That's... But you're right. Nothing. Put it this way: there is it, actually with Faldo too. Um, you know, it's a different animal. Obviously, it's a, a different dynamic. But there's nothing scripted. There's nothing planned. 
Like we do not, that's kind of the whole point and, and how much fun it is. I can take Faldo anywhere and ask him anything or even kind of chop him down a little bit and, and he'll go with it and have fun. And same with Johnny and Tara, man. We, we sit down and, and we don't even know what we're going to talk about in on camera or go and it just happens. So that's, that, that's a good answer. So I can kind of answer it for you. How about that? There that you works. go. Yeah. Yeah. It's up to you. All right. Nick Faldo's major wins yeah. for a national championship in 1983. What's oh, more, oh, well, what's I more difficult? Answer, I will answer that national championship in 1983. <laughs> I don't care what the premise of the question is. The best, the most exciting, the most difficult, <laughs> what's better. 83 national, sorry, Nick, Snake, Sir Nick, 83 national championship, sorry. I'd agree with you. Team sports, I mean, it's just a whole, it's a whole nother thing. You got all those guys, a bunch of different variables coming in. That's, yeah. I'd have I to mean, agree with that one. Look, look right here, that's that's me and, and Low Charles. Low C, <laughs> God rest his soul, but in the locker room. See, green jacket. I mean, come on, just you're, you're by yourself. You put the green jacket, teammates, yeah. teammates. Yeah. Right. There you go. The basketball's yeah. where it's at. So you, you have a three point shot. Nick Faldo has a 10 footer right to left break. You can only pick one person. Who would you take? Well, if it was a left to right break, I would definitely take me a right to left break. Right-handers like the right to left. Like, a, you know, he, he might make that a good deal of the time. Uh, we, we've actually had this discussion on it. You know how we had this, this was just a couple of weeks ago because you remember the Steph video where he made 105 threes in a row yep. from the corner. Yeah. So we started, somehow we get, we started talking about that. And then Nick was asking me, how many could you make? I'm like, well, okay. I'm not going to say I can make 105. Cause you know, I said, but I used to end every practice session making 20 in a row mm -hmm. from all five spots, baseline, wing, top of the key, but, you know, from beyond. Yep. He's like, wow, 20 in a row. I don't know if I could make 20 in a row if I had to make that around the clock, 10-footers, you know. So he might have he answered your question there that, you know, <laughs> the three, yeah. not him. And I'm not going to argue with a six-time major champ. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so – Where's your favorite place that you've had a broadcast? Like the favorite place, whether it's a golf course, whether it's a country, where's one of the places that you've said, you know what, that was a lot of fun to be a part of? Um, well, my favorite place to call a golf tournament is number one, my favorite event every year is the Open Championship. Hmm. And my favorite place for the Open Championship is St. Andrews. Okay. There, there's just nothing like it um first of all it's the first basically known place where they played golf. it's the home of golf right yeah it goes back hundreds of years you know every week you say who's the golf course architect well it's god it's just you know i know old Bob <laughs> morris kind of laid out most of the holes whatever it's basically um you know bunkers came to be sand traps because mm -hmm. sheep would burrow in the sand based turf to get out of the wind which is blowing 30 miles an hour and and that's why there are bunkers on golf courses right um that and and i remember being at st andrews when jack nicholas played his last competitive round in the major championship mm -hmm. and we had the early broadcast nick and i and mike Tarico, and i think it was going to tnt with ernie uh and the guys 
And we were standing there as Nicholas came down 17, the road hole going to 18. And we both, all three of us kind of looked at us, like, what are we doing? We need to run down there. So we ran down like kids, Tariko and I and Feldo to get a spot right next to the green at 18. And there were people hanging out of windows, all those you know, buildings right there, the RNA clubhouse is right there, but other buildings and the shops and everybody hanging out. We just looked around, you couldn't believe it. And then Jack Nicholas makes the downhill slider 10 to 15 feet or whatever for birdie on the last hole. And, and it's, I still get chills. Yeah. So I would, uh, if I had one event, I would, I would take you to St. Andrews for the open. All right. Did you get to play St. Andrews? Oh yeah. Many times. Right, yeah. Go. It's awesome. There you go. All right. Well, I'm going to have right. to, I'm going to have to come out and hang out with you more. Cause I got a feeling you played some great courses. <laughs> come on out, man. Come on out. All right. Here's th this is another one that a lot of people couldn't really pick. They just, they just, they just couldn't find an answer, so they kind of dodged it a little two bit. of the three, right? I mean, That's sure. good. I, I, yeah. You're doing good. So those ones were your particulars. So that was like for you. These ones are like have to do with state. And so this is, this is going to be one uh -huh. that, that everybody's had the exact question. So favorite place to eat around campus? Well, eat and get a beer at Players Retreat. All right. See? I mean, I'm the first one to say Players Retreat. I've had really? Emilio's, you know, I've had Clues Coney. Oh, they're going to uh, kill me at Emilio's. on campus. So. You know what? You're right. They're going to kill me at Emilio's. And I, 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 you know, I'll go one and one A. That's right. Emilio's is in there too. But it's, but, but a pretty good history at both. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's the thing. No, but you can't go wrong with any of those. They're all, they're all great places. But I got to ask the question. I got to ask the hard questions, man. I understand. I got you. Hey, I'll tell you, can I tell you a quick story about Emilio's though? Yep. Okay. So it was another in that time when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And V basically made up my mind. But Al McGuire, legendary <laughs> Al McGuire, was in town doing an NBC broadcast, you know, and we went out to Emilio's after the game. I was a grad assistant at the time. It was me. It was V. And it was Al McGuire in one of the back rooms in Emilio's. Mm -hmm. right? And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And it was Al would say something. And then V would have to translate it because I had no idea what I was talking about. Tara, Tara, tell you what you do. You go down the street and you coach the St. Anthony's sixth grade CYOT. That's what you do. And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you, and V, so V would say, he means coaching, it, it, it's too tough. Go into TV, don't go coach. If you want to get your case coaching, go, go coach CYO ball or something. And then Al would say something else and V would translate again at, at a media. So, that's see, that's how I feel playing overseas. The coach would say something and I'd have someone right behind me <laughs> translating the play. That's 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 almost ideal. Yeah. So what's your what's your most memorable moment in an NC State uniform? And I have to take out you can't pick the national championship. Well, that's okay, because that's not my favorite oh, moment. Even better. It is the home game, my sophomore year, that year against Carolina, when we it was the first time me in a uniform. And I think first time V beat Dean, first time we beat Dean Smith, Michael Jordan, it was the most incredible atmosphere I have ever been around to this day in a sporting event. <laughs> I mean, I, Reynolds Coliseum, which I got to tell you, I, I, nothing against the new, but I, it, Reynolds was special, man. Yeah. To, 
I, I, there was nothing like walking up those steps, running out to 13,000 people at Reynolds. It was the loudest place I've ever been in to this day. Um, and we beat them going away. And I had personal experience. Dean and I think it was Michael got back-to-back technical fouls. Mm-hmm. And I was the designated free throw taker for technical fouls. I had four straight technical foul shots with the stage was all mine. You imagine <laughs> Reynolds and with every make and I made all four and it got louder and louder and louder and, and the place just erupted after the fourth one. We win that game and horns start going off all over Raleigh. And that lasted until the wee hours. They TP'd, they rolled the entire campus. It had toilet paper on every tree in every building. Raleigh exploded that night. And it is my favorite experience in sports ever to this day. Well, that's, so my side, I guess, story was, so my dad played a year at Western Carolina and uh-huh. he, he played you guys, I, I don't know, 84, 85 maybe. Um, and he, he told me, he's like, he's like, I'll tell you, you know, you playing, I think it's PNC, it was RBC while I was there. He said, you, you playing that arena, but I'll tell you, there's nothing like playing in Reynolds. He, he went to a free, he went to go shoot a free throw and I, he was probably a, he'll probably make yell at me for saying maybe 75, you know, <laughs> I mean, he wasn't good, but he was, he like, wasn't, he wasn't in your territory. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he, I think he like air banked one and just grazed the side. And he's like, there was nothing like the background and everybody yelling at you. He said it was just unbelievable. And he said it was one of the greatest experience to this day is just playing in Reynolds. So that's, uh, that's very cool to hear because I got to tell you, we, like we played Michigan state might have been my junior year. Scott Skiles was playing, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, Reynolds was old. Reynolds, you you had the two locker rooms down in the dungeon. And then <laughs> people think this is crazy. But uh, I tell my kids they're, this, they're like, what? We, you had one set of showers. Like, <laughs> both teams showered in the same big shower, which is like twice the, the area of my garage here. Um, and I remember coming out of the shower and Skiles was, was ready to go in the shower. And he just looked at me and goes, that was the loudest place I have ever <laughs> experienced in my life. Uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's Reynolds, man. Sorry. Yeah. Great time. I, I wish I would have had the opportunity to, I mean, obviously I played a few games, but it's nothing like playing back in the day uh, when you guys were there. So here's the last question. And I, well, this is, this is, not a difficult one, but it's one that, you know, I've gotten similar answers. What do you miss most about playing in an NC State uniform? Um, I, miss the, it, it, I miss the students mm-hmm. and the experience. Here's the thing. I hope it still is like this. I wouldn't know because I'm not still playing. But at least during that time, and in part because of Reynolds, I guess, but like this whole Shashevskyville at Duke, you're doing that at NC State before that. Yeah. You know, and every game, and sometimes it was several nights ahead of time, they were out in tents, sleeping out for tickets to be the first in line. And, you know, you'd, you'd take pizzas, you'd, you'd order Domino's and take them out there. And then you're walking through, you're walking on campus and people are shouting stuff at you and you walk through the tunnel 
and stuff is written, yeah. you know, about the upcoming game or the last game or something, you felt like you were part of the student body who was right there with you living and dying with every game. And it was so cool to suit up. And it, and it kind of goes back to, don't get me wrong, the national championship changed my life. But what I remember the most were the regular season games in the ACC and those matchups against, God, Mark Price one night you're going against, Adrian Branch the next night, Michael Jordan the next night, I mean, <laughs> Ralph Sampson, you know? And um, the student body being living and dying every week with you. That's yeah. That's what I miss the most about suiting up for NC State. Perfect, perfect. Well, this this concludes everybody listening, Wolfpack Nation. Uh, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Uh, Terry, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, had a blast. This is this is the one. I know. Uh, I told my wife, I'm like, you know, if I had David Thompson on, I think I'd still be more excited to have Terry Gannon. Oh, man. No, 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 no. I'm not even joking. I appreciate that. I'm not even joking. It's it's funny because every time it's like, uh, because I I play a lot of golf. I watch a lot of golf. And you'll be on and you'll be talking. I'll just look at someone and be like, you know where he's from? (laughs) And everybody's just like, let me guess, NC State. I'm like, that's my guy. (laughs) Hey. But it isn't that the way, though? I mean, I, yeah. I do that on the air all the time. If you listen to broadcasts, whether it's golf or figure skating or whatever, if somebody that comes up in the conversation or is on the air, I will get in the fact that they're from state. And, <laughs> and, and all the guys, you know, who, are, who I'm on the air with and girl, they just look at me and roll their eyes. Here we go. Yeah. NC State. <laughs> but it's happening. I'm sorry. You're, you're not escaping without uh, the mention. Perfect. So. Perfect. So, all right, everybody, thank you again. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have another one out here soon. So thank you, Terry and go pack. Mm-hmm.